Welcome back to Everything NHL, the hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we're here with our hockey expert, James Kumar. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? So uh, this week, we're going to go over games one to three of the an NHL uh, Stanley Cup finals. Uh, we'll go over some um, awards that they've given out to uh, the players of the NHL. Um, we'll, I guess, take a look at kind of like an overview of the Stanley Cup finals so far, and then we'll preview Monday's game, and uh, that'll pretty, pretty much be it for this week. All right, sounds good. I guess uh, most of the awards will probably be the regular season ones since the, the playoffs haven't finished yet. So, yeah, we'll just take a look at some regular season awards. Yeah, for sure. I guess we'll start with uh, some the games. Uh, we'll start with uh, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, very dominant performance by Tampa Bay. Um, they were able to beat the Montreal Canadiens 5-1. Um, Eric Chernak in the first period for Tampa Bay. And uh, Yanni Gord for Tampa Bay in the second round with Ben Chero putting a goal on the board for Montreal. Um, Nikita Kucherov with two goals for Tampa Bay and Steven Stamkos with one goal for Tampa Bay, um, all in the third period. Uh, what are your thoughts on game one of the Stanley Cup finals? Yeah, this is a game where it pretty much showed that the Tampa, uh, they've already played in a finals uh, recently, which was last year. So they were prepared for game one. They were at home. Uh, it looked like Montreal just didn't have their legs for the first game. You know, when you get to the finals for the first time, sometimes you have jitters. Sometimes you, you know, you just don't play your best. I feel like that was the case. So Tampa just pretty much took advantage in this game, especially like in the third period, like when Stamkos buried that goal, like that was pretty much just the cherry on top uh, at that point. Yeah. There's just a lot of pressure on Montreal right now. They haven't uh, been to a cup finals in a very long time, this is probably their. This is a probably like a team that's never really been this uh, far before, all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. They're facing uh, pretty much the best team in the NHL. Um, this team has already been to the Stanley Cup Finals last year, so uh, I guess a game one win is kind of not really a good boost for morale. So, um, what do you think they should do to kind of pull back? Yeah, um, in this game, I guess they didn't really generate as much pressure. They only had Montreal only had 19 shots. Obviously, against the defending champions, you're going to need a lot more than that to score. Um, yeah, and then they also just gave Tampa Bay power plays, and like I said, they capitalized. So that was that was pretty tough too. Yeah, I guess it's kind of interesting because Montreal is normally good at. Um, making sure that uh, power plays don't usually swing in the other team's favor. But uh, Tampa Bay's offense is just so good that uh, once you get a power play, it doesn't really matter what defense it is. They'll just find a way to put it in the net. Yeah, I think heading into game one, they were clicking at like 37% for the playoffs. That's crazy. That's like almost four out of 10 power plays or like two out of five power plays. That, that's like goals right there. So yeah, you can't take penalties against that team or else you're giving up goals for sure. 
Yeah, they. I guess Montreal has the unenviable task of playing the hardest defense they possibly can without penalties, which is that's not going to be an easy job. Yeah, definitely. Um, ask any, almost every defenseman in the league, you know, to to maintain coverage without you know hooking or slashing. Sometimes is very difficult. Uh, sometimes you throw the odd, uh, you know, you try and interfere with the guy, you know, maybe uh, before he's about to get the puck, that kind of thing. So, yeah, you're right. It is very tough uh, to do all that without taking penalties. And then when they do take the penalties, they get burned for it. So, yeah, it's been really tough. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll take a look at uh, game two now and see how they did. So, I guess game two, it was a, a little bit closer, but uh, Tampa Bay was still pretty dominant. Um, I think it was 3-1, so not necessarily kind of like the high-scoring games we've been used to seeing all season, but this is kind of a more regular NHL pace, pretty dominant performance by Tampa Bay. Uh, no goals in the first period, but in the second period, um, Anthony Sorelli and Blake Coleman both had goals for Tampa Bay and Nick Suzuki was able to put a goal on the board for Montreal and uh, Andre Pallet was able to score another goal for Tampa Bay and uh, Montreal, they did, uh, I guess, a much better job on defense this time around, but um, their offense was just kind of a little bit short. Yeah, I mean, like that Blake Coleman goal, there was like one point something seconds left on the period and then and he dove to score the goal. It's one of the best goals I've seen in, in the finals before. And then, yeah, like you were saying, Montreal played a much better game. They only allowed like, what, 23 shots. They even took 43, but pretty much Andre Vasilevsky was a brick wall for Tampa Bay, making 42 saves, only allowing that one goal from Suzuki. And it was a power play goal. So other than that, he pretty much shut the door. Montreal had pretty much their best game of the series in game two, but yet they still couldn't get it done against this Tampa team that's just full of offense. Yeah, I mean, against any other team, Montreal probably would have been able to maybe take it to overtime at least. But Tampa Bay, they've just been finding a way to kind of um, shut down Montreal's offense. So I guess what do you think they need to do to kind of adapt? Yeah, honestly, I after watching this game, I just really didn't know what to say after that. The only thing I could say is, you know, with Montreal heading home for games three and four, they have to take at least one uh, game there at home because Tampa Bay at home, whether they play amazing, whether they play mediocre, they're still pulling out wins. And I honestly don't know what Montreal can do to sort of turn that around. Yeah, it's pretty much like Tampa Bay's B game is like pretty much Montreal's A game. They have to like play the game of their lives and they're still like coming up short against a team like Tampa Bay. That's just how dominant they are. Yeah, dominant, talented, whatever word you want to use. That's pretty much the definition of Tampa Bay's team this year. Yeah, for sure. And I guess moving on to uh, game three, uh, Montreal, they did a lot better on offense, but um, they weren't able to stop Tampa Bay again. I guess Tampa Bay won 6-3. Um, in the first period, we had uh, Jan Ruda for Tampa Bay, Victor Hedman also for Tampa Bay. And we had Philip uh, Denol for Montreal. In the second period, we had uh, Nikita Kucherov and Tyler Johnson, both for Tampa Bay and Nick Suzuki for Montreal. And in the third period, we had Tyler Johnson and Blake Coleman for Tampa Bay. 
and Corey Perry for Montreal. So um, a better offensive effort from the Canadians, but um, they weren't able to have both good offense and good defense. Yeah, like it was pretty ev- evident from the first period. Um, two early goals. I think both goals were in the first five minutes. One was in the first two minutes. That Tampa Bay just pretty much wanted this game, and they just took it right away. They never lost the lead in this game. Uh, they were just so dominant. Um, Montreal even had more shots than Tampa Bay in this game, and that's the thing. Montreal only took one penalty, but Tampa Bay scored on that power play, so they were a hundred percent for their power play in this game. Like, like I said, you can't even take one penalty or you're gonna get burned by this team. It's crazy. Tampa team is so stacked. They're going to take it in four or five. Like I said, Montreal has to try and win one at home. Maybe they take game four, but there's even a chance that they present the cup uh, in game four. Yeah, I mean, Montreal, that's not how they want to go out. They'd had a fantastic run. Um, At least try to end it with a bang, try to go down fighting. Um, If you live in Montreal, you know what to do. Got to show up at the arena. Try to cheer as much as you can. Try to raise... Um, the morale of the team so that they kind of give their best fight. Yeah, I was watching the game uh, on Friday, game three, and I saw a sign in the crowd that said, I'm missing the birth of my kid to come see the Montreal Canadiens. I hope it was worth the price. So (laughs) uh, it's tough. And the guy missed the birth of his kid and his team lost. So it's tough. But yeah, Montreal fans, just keep supporting your team and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, honestly... Even if they they end up not being able to uh, win game four, I mean, a lot of teams uh, would have lost to Tampa Bay in the finals. We saw Tampa Bay beat r- some really good teams out there, some really consistent teams. And I even if Tampa Bay went through um, Montreal's route, they probably would have been able to beat a lot of those teams, like even Vegas, even a team like the Leafs, even like a team like the Jets. It's really hard to see like what team would be able to beat Tampa Bay in the finals. Yeah, I think if Vegas was in the finals or Toronto, it would be the same story, I feel like. Uh, it might not be this big of a blow necessarily because I think maybe those teams match up better. Like usually it just depends on the matchup. Like I wouldn't say Montreal is a bad team, but maybe they just don't match up as well against Tampa Bay. But I think either way, Tampa Bay would probably have a lead, maybe a two-to-one lead after three games against maybe some of these other teams. But yeah, uh, Tampa Bay would definitely be in the driver's seat either way. Yeah, for sure. And I guess uh, that's about it for games one to three of the Stanley Cup Finals. So we're going to move on to the NHL Awards, and we'll start with the Hart Memorial Trophy, also known as the MVP Award. So... um, this year was awarded to Connor McDavid um, from the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Connor McDavid, he's a really good player. Is kind of like the the next Wayne Gretzky almost. He's he's gonna be like a really dominant uh, player in the years to come, and he's still like really young. So I guess, what are your thoughts on Connor McDavid being the MVP? Well, you mentioned Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's the first unanimous MVP winner since Wayne Gretzky. So so that's an interesting stat. Uh, I mean, just looking at this guy's totals, 56 games, 105 points. This guy was lights out this season, almost two points per game. So solid. Uh, 
only Gretzky really touched those numbers uh, in his career. Yeah, he just had an amazing season. Uh, will he probably be able to replicate it next year? I don't think so. This was probably a career year, but I mean, he's in the middle of his prime. He definitely deserved this MVP award. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we were expecting the Edmonton Oilers to maybe have a chance at the playoffs. Um, Connor McDavid would obviously be a big factor about that. So um, what do you think about their chances next year? Uh, I think they just need to improve, I guess, the depth uh, in scoring. They just weren't able to score outside of their like top one or two lines and definitely add a couple depth pieces, maybe in goal and maybe on defense as well. So just, you know, add, add pieces. That's what the Oilers need to do. Yeah, I think if we see them in the playoffs, like Connor McDavid, he might not be having like maybe Gretzky level stats, but I guess in terms of like advanced advanced stats, you might see him do uh, like really well. He'll still be playing at a really high level. Yeah, I mean, he's always noticeable when he's on the ice. I, I don't think we can take anything away from that. I think um, it, it might take him a bit of time, but uh, assuming he gets the team around him, I think he can definitely do something. Yeah, for sure. And next we'll move on to the Lady uh, Bing Memorial Trophy. So I guess this is kind of like the Gentleman's Award. And this was awarded to Jake as Jacob Slavin um, from the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, what do you think about, I guess, the, I guess, I don't want to say performance because it's not really like a performance, but I guess the way he's acted in the NHL so far. Well, I think it is partially performance based because uh, you have to play at a high level of play and you got to play gentlemanly, which means low level of penalties. The interesting thing about uh, Jacob Slavin is that he's a defensive defenseman, but he only took one minor penalty the entire season. And it wasn't a, a roughing penalty or anything like that. He just shot the puck over the glass. So it was like a delay of game penalty. So I know we talked about earlier, you know, playing a good defensive style, uh, sometimes, you know, you take penalties, but I mean, he plays uh, one of the best defensive styles in the league and he did not take one minor penalty this year relating to his play. So um, I think for that kind of high level of defensive play, they had to give him the award. I think they, they made the right choice. I know Austin Matthews could have won it because I know he didn't take very many minor, minor penalties either, but it was pretty much toss up between the two of them and they gave it to Slavin. That's really impressive, especially a defensive defenseman being able to find ways to stop the other team. And he's not—he's not so physical that he starts taking penalties. Um, do you think that there's going to be a chance that there's other players in the league that start to emulate that? Oh, it's tough. You have to be able to do it at a high level. Uh, probably another high-level player would probably have to emulate it. I can't see every player playing like that. It's, it's very difficult. Yeah, I guess normally in hockey, you normally expect a defenseman to be a little bit more physical um, to try to use force to kind of stop stop the other guy and maybe take take the puck. You don't really expect someone to, I guess, get clean steals or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. And I guess we'll move on to the Vezina Trophy. So this is basically goaltender of the year. And they awarded this one to uh, Mark Andre Fleury of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, obviously he's a really dominant um, goalie. He's one of the best in the league and they decided to give it to him. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's long overdue. He's had an amazing career. I believe he's third all time in wins 
in the league. I mean, he's just been so solid. Um, and he's been so dominant. It's about time they gave him the award. I know some people said Vasilevsky should have got it. But I think, you know, Fleury does deserve one of these awards because he, surprisingly in his career, he hasn't won a goalie of the year yet. So, yeah, I was just happy that he won it. Uh, he's an outstanding goalie, and it's great to see uh, what uh, the kind of career he's made for himself. I guess speaking of his career, um, I guess where would you place him, I guess, in all-time goalies? Uh, he should be breaking into the top five probably very soon. Um I guess in terms of like playoff success, I mean, he's won three Stanley Cups. He's been to like, what, four Stanley Cup finals. He played really well in the playoffs. I know he's had some mediocre years here and there. He's always found ways to win. Uh, he's definitely in the top 10 for sure. Top five might be a bit of a stretch right now. We'll, we'll have to see. He still has a few years left, so he can definitely add to the resume. Yeah, I guess being top 10 and your career is not even done yet, that's still really impressive. Yeah, it just has to do with the amazing statistics he's piled up along the way. Yeah, for sure. And I guess uh, we'll move on to the Calder Memorial Trophy. So it's given to the Rookie of the Year, which they decided to give it to Kirill Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wilds. Um, Minnesota was also a really good team this year. And I guess what are your thoughts on Kaprizov's performance? Yeah, he played so well. I mean, 55 games, 51 points. is almost a point-per-game player in his rookie year, so that's pretty solid in my mind. Uh, yeah, he really turned around this Minnesota team that was just sort of middling near the bottom of the standings last year. He really gave this team a lot of life, I felt like. Uh, definitely some other additions for this team, adding goalie Cam Talbot, you know, adding uh, different other players as well. Um, they just really turned around their franchise, and I think if they can keep him long-term, he's definitely going to be a huge benefit for this team. I guess Kaprizov is kind of similar to Connor McDavid in that he has, he is, is kind of like a player that he can kind of lead your team to the playoffs if you build the proper team around him. So what do you think are the chances of Minnesota being in the playoffs in the future? Yeah. Assuming that they give him the the deal that he wants, I think he, he wants a, a good, um, contract they just got to give that to him and yeah they can definitely build the team around him i think you're right in that fact yeah for sure and i guess speaking of connor mcdavid um we'll take a look at the art ross trophy so i guess this is for the player who had the most points at the end of the season so they gave it to connor mcdavid and i guess what do you think of connor mcdavid's um offense this season yeah, I think this trophy is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, he had 105 points to finish the season, so they gave it to him. And yeah, like I mentioned, one of the best offensive seasons we've seen in the last 30 years, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, this has been, I guess, a hockey season with kind of like an insane pace. We've seen some scores that I don't think we've seen in the last 30 years either. Like, I've never seen a seven-goal game in my entire life and now we're starting to see a lot of those this year yeah i mean the game is really opened up seeing a lot of goals it's, it's really good uh, it's, it makes for really exciting hockey yeah for sure i guess if we kind of see more high-paced hockey um i guess in the following years we might see connor mcdavid i guess i don't i don't want i don't want to say like he's gonna have like uh, Wayne Gretzky career level numbers, but he's going to have um, kind of 
Gretzky-esque numbers, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely uh, move his way up in the all-time um, statistics, that's for sure. Yep, and I guess we'll move on to the James Morris, James Norris Memorial Trophy. So I guess this is, I guess, given to, I guess, the all-around defenseman of the year. So mm-hmm. they gave this one to Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. Um, New York, they were... The, the Rangers, well, both New York teams are really good, but the Rangers, they were so close to, to making it um, to the playoffs, but they were just a little bit short this year. So I guess, what do you think about Adam Fox and the Rangers in general? Oh, yeah, he was so solid. I mean, uh, 47 points in 55 games for a defenseman is amazing. I believe he was around like plus 19 too, which on a team that didn't make the playoffs for your plus minus to be that solid, I think it was definitely worth him winning defenseman of the year. But, I mean, take this in. This is his second season in the league, and he's already the defenseman of the year. So, I mean, that's really impressive how he's developed. Yeah, so I guess we have uh, Slavin in Carolina and Adam Fox in New York, another uh, really high-level uh, defensive player. who He's not just, a, I guess, a defenseman who uh, locks people up, but he can get points himself. Yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking of defensemen, um, the current holder of the Conn Smythe Trophy is Victor Hedman from Tampa Bay last year. That's the playoff MVP. Obviously, the finals aren't finished, so they haven't presented that award yet. So uh, we'll probably bring it up uh, in our next uh, podcast, most likely. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we'll move on to the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy. So I guess it's uh, given to the player with... I guess the best sportsmanship, um, the guy who doesn't really give up. So they gave it to Oscar uh, Lindblom of Philadelphia. Um, What do you think about, I guess, um, Oscar's career so far and um, Philadelphia in general? Yeah, it's been tough for him. He's battled with cancer. He had to miss portions of last year and this year, but he's really battled through it. So I think he's much deserving of this award. Uh, that's pretty much what this award is. Uh, it's perseverance, sportsmanship, dedication to hockey. Uh, the amount of dedication he's put into hockey, even you know battling cancer and all that. Yeah, it makes him a, a pretty good warrior on the ice. And yeah, you asked about Philadelphia. They really benefit from having a guy like that on the team. You know, someone that the the rest of the team can bond around. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like an off the ice award as well. If that kind of makes sense, like maybe like he is not necessarily playing games and making an impact on the ice but in the locker room if you see somebody like that who's willing to just show up even even though he's battling cancer he's still in the locker room he's showing up he's in the film room that's something that i guess a lot of players can learn from oh yeah absolutely uh you know he's just one of those guys that uh, teammates look up to Uh, he really gave the team a boost every time he was in the lineup so he's definitely a really good player on that team yeah, for sure. And I guess the next award is the Ted Lindsay Award. So um, this one was given to Connor McDavid again. So that's three awards given to Connor McDavid. So I guess that kind of shows how special of a player that he is. Yeah, this Ted Lindsay Award is very special because the players vote on it. So it's pretty much the players MVP. So he won the Hockey National Hockey League MVP. He won the 
NHL scoring award, which is the Art Ross. And then he won the Ted Lindsay, which uh, the players uh, vote. Uh, so members of the Players Association, whether they do a player pool or Harvard, they decide this award. Yeah, he knows that uh, now that his peers think he was the best player this season. Yeah, so it's not only, I guess, um, an- analysts who are deciding that he's the best player. It's the players themselves who've actually played against him. They've decided that, you know, Connor McDavid, he's been really special this year. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And I guess we can move on to the Jack Adams Award. So this is given to basically the coach of the year. And they gave it to Rod uh, Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes. And Carolina's been really consistent this year. I guess they may they might not have been on everyone's radar, but they've always um, had really dominant performances in the regular season. Even in the playoffs, they played really well. Uh, they came up like, short against Tampa Bay, but so has every other team. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Carolina earlier in the year, and we were saying, like, uh, I don't even think we remember them losing a lot of back-to-back games. Like, they were just so solid. They would always bounce back. I know they had a rough goal against Tampa, but like you mentioned, it is Tampa Bay, and they're really deep. And, I mean, this Carolina team, they're well-coached. Brendan Moore is a good coach, and he did re-sign for the, with them for, I think, another three years, so he's definitely not going anywhere. And, yeah, he deserved this award. I guess, what do you think about uh, Rod Brindamore's career so far? Yeah, I mean, he was able to translate from being the captain of the Hurricanes the last time they won a championship, and then he transitioned into being their coach, and I think he's done a really good job so far. Yeah, I guess that's really interesting. He's a player who's he's been to the Stanley Cup Finals. He knows what it feels like to um, be a player at the highest level and win at the highest level, and he's found a way to kind of transfer that into his coaching style. Yeah, I definitely believe that as well. And I guess we can uh, move on to the Frank J. Selk trophy. So this is, I guess, to a forward who is really good at defense. So this one was given to Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers. Um, The Panthers, they're a really good team this year. They, gave Tampa Bay a really hard fight. I think Florida, Florida's, the Florida Panthers have probably given the hardest fight to Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Yeah, in terms of an offensive standpoint, definitely they were able to t- match Tampa Bay almost goal for a goal. They were really solid. And yeah, just getting back to the award, the best defensive forward of the year is Alexander Barkov. Yeah, he's great at both ends of the rink. Uh, he can score, he can play defense, uh, he can clog up the neutral zone. He's just really good at the the overall game of hockey. So I, I think he is much deserving of this award. Yeah, I guess uh, normally forwards, you kind of expect them mostly just to score. But um, I guess this kind of shows that um, if you want to be kind of successful in the NHL, it's good to have an all-around game as well. It's You want to be able to play a little bit of defense yourself, even if you're not necessarily in a defensive position. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I guess we can move on to the William uh, Jennings Trophy. So this was given to both Mark andre Fleury and Robert Lehner from Vegas. Um, what do you think about, I guess, uh, this award? 
Yeah, they either give it to, I guess, one goalie or in this case, the goalie, both goalies from the team. I guess if the team has the lowest average, uh, the only time they would give it to only one goalie is if the other goalies didn't get a chance to play enough games. But I think both Fleury and Laner played enough games and they had a low enough average. So um, they averaged the least amount of goals allowed, which is really solid. Uh, you saw that Fleury had won the the goalie of the year also. So I, um, you know, his, his stats were very good this season and Robin Laner was a solid backup for the Knights. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we can move on to the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. So I guess this is kind of like a leadership award. And they gave this to uh, Pekka uh, Rinna from the Nashville Predators. Um, Nashville was also a really good team this season. I think they played really well. And um, I guess, what do you think about um, Nashville and Pekka Rinna's performance this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's kind of getting older, so he was starting to transition into a backup role this year. But yeah, uh, this award also exemplifies what he did in his community, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, raising money for uh, humanitarian aids and uh, contributions to charities and so on. So I think it's a combination of both his on-ice and off-ice performance. So um, definitely um, they believed he was deserving of that. And I mean, yeah, he's been such a great player overall seeing some of the stuff he does for the community, I think it was definitely the right choice. Yeah, I guess um, Pekka Rin, um, he's, I guess, like you said, he's starting to get up there in age. Uh, He might not be in the league for much longer, but even if he leaves the league, he's going to be really busy in his retirement. If he doesn't end up becoming a coach like Rod Brindamore, he's probably going to be doing some community work. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely think so. And I guess we can uh, move on to the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy. So this was given to the top goal scorer of the regular season, and they awarded this to Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs. Um, The Maple Leafs, they had a a fantastic regular season this year. Unfortunately, they came up a little bit short in the playoffs, but um, what do you think about Austin Matthews' performance this season? Yeah, I mean, 41 goals in, what, 50-some games. I think he only played 52 games, so that's really solid. I mean, if you stretch that over an 82-game uh, season, that's like over 60 goals. I mean, uh, yeah, he scored out of his mind this season. Um, yeah, it was definitely the best season of his career so far, and I guess he's looking to build off of that. Yeah, and I guess Austin Matthews, he's another really young player in the league, so we have – uh, Kapiro Kapizov, Connor McDavid, and Austin Matthews. They're all really uh, young players. And I guess this is kind of like um, similar to kind of like, I guess, the Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin situation, where I guess 10 years ago they were really young and they were playing some really good hockey. And now we have kind of like the new generation of players that are kind of going to take the mantle. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these awards were won by young players. You talked about Jacob Slavin, Adam Fox. Yeah, uh, this is a young league now, and these guys are really pushing the league forward. It's exciting to see. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we can move on to the Mark Messier Leadership Award. So they gave this award to um, Patrish uh, Bergeron from the Boston Bruins. Bruins is an, are another um, solid team. Um, they're good every year. And I guess, what are your thoughts on, on Bergeron getting this award? 
Yeah, I mean, this is the first year he's been the captain of Boston since Zidane Chara left uh, to go to the Washington Capitals. Uh, so it was great to see them recognize his leadership right away by giving him this award. I mean, to win this award the first year being captain is pretty special. So I think uh, it's definitely a great on Bergeron. Yeah, I guess um, Bergeron, even though he might not necessarily have been captain in Boston, um, I assume he's been in Boston for a while. So he has a pretty good, I guess, um, locker room presence. And I guess the rest of the team really likes him a lot. Yeah, he's been in Boston a long time, probably since like 2003, 2004, around there. Yeah, he's pretty much a staple um, to this team. And yeah, um, definitely a guy that his teammates look up to. Yeah, I guess 2003, that's a really long time. Um, it's basically 18 years. So he's another player that's kind of getting up there in age. So I guess... Um, him as a captain he's just kind of trying to raise the next generation of the boston bruins and try to um teach them how to win basically oh yeah absolutely um he's won a stanley cup in boston too so he definitely knows how to win yeah and i guess um we might see uh bergeron as a coach or maybe in some sort of leadership position in the nhl one day yeah i'd probably stay within the boston organization i think they probably definitely want to keep him around and I guess we can move on to the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award. They gave this one to Lou Lamoriello of the New York Islanders. Um, New York, they've had a, a really good, um, I guess, season. Uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't go as far as they wanted it to, wanted it to but... Um, I don't think you can really um, knock them for their performance this season. Oh, yeah, you definitely can't. They lost to Tampa Bay, like we mentioned. Um, and, yeah, um, Lou um, Lamorello made a lot of good moves at the deadline, bringing in guys like Kyle Palmieri, Travis Ajak, and, and others. He just made this team stronger overall, um, you know, even the way he's been drafting and so on. So, um, I mean, he's been – a GM for a long time. He did it in New Jersey. He did it in Toronto. Now he's doing it in New York. So I think he's definitely deserving of this award. I guess you can kind of look at Lou as kind of, he's a GM that knows how to turn teams around. Um, he can kind of look at a situation and he just kind of knows um, what to do to kind of, uh, where, I guess, which players to draft, which players to kind of bring in and kind of help the team um, elevate themselves. Yeah, I mean, he turned around a New Jersey franchise that just couldn't win when they moved there. I mean, they won three cups uh, with him. Then he came to Toronto and he turned that team around. Now they're making the playoffs every year. Then he, he went to the Islanders, and now they're doing the same. They're making the playoffs every year. So, yeah, he seems to have the right formula, and everything he does seems to be working. Yeah, so I guess um, if we end up seeing um, Lou Lamoriello, um, I guess, parting ways with New York most likely in the far future. Um, if there's a kind of rumors that he's going to go to your team, you can be pretty happy about that. Yeah, I think so. I know he has some strict policies, but I mean, if he's helping you win, I guess you, I guess he wants all the players to buy in. And if they're winning, yeah, they'll buy in for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously his results work, like maybe they're a little bit strict, but sometimes you kind of have to be strict if you want to go where you need to be. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. 
And I guess that's pretty much all the words that we're going to be um, covering, I guess, this week. So I guess we can move on to kind of an overview of the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I guess, obviously, Tampa Bay has just been so dominant this season. They didn't necessarily um, win their division, but it didn't really seem to matter. They just beat every single team that they came across. Um, they beat the Hurricanes. They beat Florida. And now they're, I guess, beating a Montreal team that they had a pretty good run themselves. Yeah, like you mentioned, Tampa Bay, they've been so dominant. They're up 3-0 in the finals. Uh, they won their previous series, uh, like you said, 4-2 against Florida, 4-1 against Carolina, 4-3 against New York Islanders. They're a good team. Uh, can't can't sleep on this team. Uh, you know, we never did really sleep on this team. I think even in my bracket, I had them going to the final four. I don't know if I had them going all the way to the finals because I guess I didn't expect the certain teams that came through into the final four to come through. If I had predicted those teams, I think I would have had Tampa Bay beating them. But um I knew Tampa Bay was the team coming out of the central division anyways. They were the strongest team. They were the deepest team. They have depth at every position. They have one of the best goalies in the league. Honestly, this team doesn't have weaknesses. I know we've talked about this for weeks, but I'm just going to say it again. This team just doesn't have weaknesses. Um, If a player gets hurt, like I know Alex Kalorn got hurt, they threw Matthew Joseph in the lineup and you barely even notice the difference. So this team has depth at every position. I know last series, Eric Chernak was hurt. They threw Luke Shannon and he scored a goal. So, I mean, yeah, this, it doesn't matter to them. They're, they're still finding ways to win regardless of who's in the lineup. Yeah, I guess um, speaking of Lou, this is another GM situation where they kind of knew, they know how the kind of the policies of the NHL work and they know how to kind of use the policies to put their team ahead. I think their GM's name is Julian Breezebois, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, Yeah, he's done a great job, I guess, um, you know, making small deadline moves, moving players around to get around the salary cap, whatever he has to do, all within the rules, of course. Um, And yeah, Tampa Bay's pretty much benefited from it, and they've always had a solid team the last couple of years. Yeah, I guess this team is so well built, we could probably see them they're most likely going to make deep playoff runs every year, if not make it to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, it's kind of hard to see what kind of team would be able to beat them. I mean, you you put an offensive team on, on them in Florida, they beat Florida. You put a defensive team on them in New York, they beat New York, and now they're beating another really high-level defensive team in Montreal. And it's kind of surprising because I thought, um, I guess Montreal is better at turning their defense into offense and maybe that would give them a chance. But um, Tampa Bay, they've been able to use their own defense to kind of hold off Montreal. Yeah, like we mentioned, they p- can beat you at whatever style of game you want to play. If you want to play defensive on them, they'll out-defense you. If you want to play offense out the, on them, like get in game three, they'll outscore you. Um they pretty much can play any team's game and that frustrates a lot of teams because they can't exercise their winning formula against Tampa Bay. Yeah. I guess the only way to kind of beat them is to have a roster that's kind of similar to Tampa Bay. Um, They're not necessarily specialized in any aspect of the game, but they can kind of do everything. So for example, like maybe Vegas would be able to give them um, a challenge, but 
even still it's like a, a Tampa Bay versus like a Tampa Bay light Tampa Bay still probably going to win. Yeah. Like I think the only way to beat this team, I guess, is to out coach them. And I mean, John Cooper is one of the best coaches in the league. So even then that's difficult to out coach him. So yeah, the, this Tampa team, like you said, they're going to be good for many years to come. Um, there's not, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see them, whether it's in the final four or in the Stanley cup finals, they might even win another one next year. Uh, like you were mentioning, they have a chance to three Pete. Um, yeah, I definitely like this team's chances. They're up three, nothing in the series right now. It's probably done in four. Um, I guess we could probably go into the preview from this. Um, just taking a look at game four, uh, it's tough. I, I might like Montreal here. Maybe they don't get swept, but I guess just after game three, I just can't see a way that Tampa Bay doesn't sweep. Um, they adjusted the price a little bit. Uh, whoever took Tampa Bay in game three got them at like what minus uh, 135. So like a really good price for Tampa Bay. They moved up to minus 150 for game four. Montreal plus 130, I guess is a decent price if you think that they're they have a chance to win at home. Um, honestly, this game's going to be a, a toss up. I don't think he'll be as uh, wide uh, spread as game three. It'll definitely be probably a one goal game. It'll be a little bit tighter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what you think about this game. I might lean Montreal a little bit because they have to get one right, but maybe they don't. I don't know. I guess the only way I can kind of see them winning is I guess looking at their face off percentage. Um, Montreal kind of has a little bit of an advantage. So if they can kind of um, use that, try to keep the puck on their side as long as they can, maybe that'll kind of um, hold hold off the Tampa Bay's offense long enough that they can kind of maybe do something and then that might give them a chance to win. Yeah, uh, there's just not a lot of categories they can beat Tampa Bay and so if they are leading in face-offs that's definitely one area you got to capitalize on for sure I mean even in fast breaks Montreal scoring goals against teams like Toronto Winnipeg and Vegas but Tampa Bay's been scoring on the fast breaks in this series so pretty much beating them at their own game at this point so uh, it's just really tough to see Montreal even taking a game honestly this game's going to be a toss-up um if you like a certain side probably that's the side to take um yeah other than that uh definitely uh, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, a good game for sure in game four. We might even see the the Stanley Cup presented. So uh, let's see what happens on Monday night. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just like one more thing, I guess that I thought was interesting was that some of these scores are really high scoring, and Tampa Bay was getting these against Carey Price of all people, who he's been like shutting down so many teams, but Tampa Bay still found a way to put the puck in the net. Yeah, at this point, I think Carey Price has been carrying Montreal for so long. They got to at least cut him some slack and, you know, give him some scoring to support. I mean, how long is it going to be before the floodgates finally open, right? He's been, he's probably worn out by this time. And yeah, the, this team really needs to support him. They've had trouble scoring goals the whole playoffs, but he's carried them through it. Against Tampa Bay, that's not the time to struggle scoring. Yeah, I guess um, and against uh, other teams, they've been able to kind of limit the chances that the other teams have, like try to take some kind of bad percentage shots. And then that kind of helps carry price a little bit, but um, they've struggled to do that against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I definitely agree to this Tampa Bay team. 
um, they've just been too good. Yeah. So I guess if you're from Montreal, um, don't, I guess, don't be like too pessimistic. You still got to believe in your team. Um, you got to show up to the arena, cheer as loud as you can, try to uh, give the team as much of a boost as you possibly can and try to see what Montreal can do. I think a team's only come back from a 3-0 deficit like three or four times in NHL history. So history's not on Montreal's side. I think that their goal should just be to make it a series. Just take it one game at a time and then just see what happens. Yeah, I guess you can't really think about um, the series now. Just think about, I guess, just the hour that you have in front of you. Just take it uh, even just not even one period at a time. Just take it like a minute at a time. Yeah, um, I also like Montreal probably winning this game just because, you know, if Tam- let's just say Tampa Bay loses this game, then they have a chance to win the cup at home. That's definitely something they'd want to do since they won the cup in a bubble last season. So it, I think it would be nice for them to win at home. So maybe Montreal gets game four and then it goes home to Tampa and I think they close it out. So let's just see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that about um, wraps up um, everything NHL. So um, do you have any, I guess, final thoughts of, about uh, this year in the NHL? No, I think uh, we've pretty much covered everything. Um, you know, the award winners were great. And um, Stanley Cup Finals, uh, it's been pretty exciting unless, you know, you're a Montreal fan. But uh, in terms of seeing high-level hockey, I think we've seen it in the series. Yeah, and like we said before, the new generation of hockey players – they're starting to rise up. So we're going to see some really high level hockey in the future, but it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what the young talent kind of um, does against such a dominant team like Tampa Bay. They're probably going to have a lot of um, players numbers, even players like Kapril Kapazov or Connor McDavid for a few years. And then they're going to have to find a way to, I guess, uh, overcome such a dominant team. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. And I guess that about uh, wraps up everything NHL. Um, If you liked this video, you can definitely subscribe, um, hit the bell for notifications. Um, Leave us a comment about your thoughts on the Stanley Cup finals and kind of the NHL season in general. Um, Let us know if you're a Montreal fan, if you're really uh, rooting for your team, definitely uh, let us know and We'd like to know your thoughts about Montreal's performance this season as well. Um, They've had a really good performance, so we'd like to definitely hear thoughts about that. And um, if you like to give us a listen, um, we're on Spotify, we're on Google uh, Podcasts, we're on Apple Music, so definitely give us a follow on all those sites as well. If you need some picks, you can follow us at FanFanPodcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, for sure.